Father, this morning, yes, Father, there is disease, there is death, there is discouragement, there is depression, all these things around, this shadow of death hovering over nations, destruction in the Middle East. But Lord, you are on the throne. You never change. You are good all the time. Your love never fails. And your mercies are new every morning. And your grace is sufficient for us. We stand on these promises, these truths, Lord. For they are forever true. Because the one who said it is true. So therefore, Father, every morning we can rise with hope. In faith. Knowing your mercy and your grace are set before your people. If your anger lasts only for four generations, your mercy lasts for a thousand generations. We just want to thank you, praise you, worship you for this new day. And we want to speak healing. We want to speak comfort into the lives of many. Healing for those who are in critical condition. Comfort for those who have lost loved ones. Strength for those who have lost, maybe not a loved one, but maybe because this dreaded disease, they're losing their vision, their eyes, their lungs, their kidneys. Life will never be the same again for them when they come out. But Lord, you are sufficient for us. You are sufficient for us. And I pray, Father, all these dear ones will know you in the strength of your right hand. That you will never leave them, never forsake them, and you will be with them all the days of their life. We come at this time into thy hands, O Lord, and I pray, minister to us, Spirit of God, through your word. Minister to us, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Today we turn to First Kings chapter 19 and verses 1 to 9. <clears throat> and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them. By tomorrow, about this time, and when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life, went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, left his servant there, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. He looked there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and he ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night 
in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? This is the man about whom we know very little other than the three and a half years of his life. But he had unbelievable, incredible experiences from God, with God, of God. God who preserved him in Cherit. God who preserved in Zarephath. The God who empowered him to stand alone on a mountain against the powers of darkness, their prophets, a king and a nation. All alone he stood. All alone. He could bring fire down from heaven and rain after that. And now he's afraid. We've been looking at fear the past whole week. And what fear can do to us. Fear can drive us into a cave. Rejection can drive us into a cave. He's facing two things. One, he's been rejected. He thought his work would be accepted by the king and the queen. And he would be received into the court. But he's been rejected. Now he's been threatened. He's intimidated. And in fear he runs. So rejection, fear, these are all things that will cause us to go into darkness. A cave is a dark place. A cave is a dark place. In his case, the word of the Lord came to him in the night. He spent the whole night. It's in the morning. It's dark. The word of the Lord came. But a lot of people, the word of the Lord, they don't want to hear. They don't want to hear. Understand, a cave is not a physical place here in the Bible. It's not a physical place. It's a place you choose to retreat when you are rejected. When you are hurt, when you are afraid, you go into a cave, you hide into a cave. Please don't misunderstand the word cave here and think, oh, cave is a physical place. No. It's not. You can be in a cave and be absolutely in the presence of God. And you can be in a cave, away, retreating from God. From people who hurt you, who rejected you, who are angry with you, who are mad with you, and you are afraid, you are mad at them. You don't need me, I don't need you. And you go into a cave. But cave can also, okay, like I said, it's not a, if you think it as a physical place, then you are getting it wrong. In the Bible, all these things have symbolic value. If you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 35 and 38. 35. We even received there Dead, 35 and 38, not 35 to 38, okay? Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. They had a way out. And they would have been accepted. Oh, just say this, you will be free. Just deny Jesus, you will be free. Just accept our values, you will be free. But they refused that. They refused that deliverance. They refused to compromise. They refused to bend their knee. And you know what happened? Verse 38 says, Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and the caves of the earth. Okay? So these are glorious ones. The world, God considers them, they're not, the world is not worthy of them. Not worthy of them. And God is with them in the caves. Okay, so please understand, when we use the term cave here, in today's message especially, it is not a physical place. It's a place you create in your mind, where you retreat. You retreat. You hide there. Okay. 
because of fear. And often because of fear of getting hurt again. Fear of being rejected again. Fear of loss again. In anger. In bitterness. Okay? It's a place people retreat. If faith is trust in God, fear is faith in the devil. That will make it sound better. Okay? If faith is trust in God, fear is faith in the devil. Because faith is a spirit. We saw that yesterday. It's a person. It's a spirit. There's a spirit called the spirit of fear. Okay. When you are afraid, you're putting your trust in that spirit. You don't realize you're putting trust in, but your actions are controlled and motivated by that spirit. It can be the fear of anything. It can be fear of anything. But primarily, the Bible says in Proverbs, right? The fear of man is a snare. And the fear of being hurt again. The fear of being rejected again. The fear of facing loss. The fear of failure. Failure. A lot of people don't attempt anything anymore because they failed so many times. So many times. That they're so afraid of failure again and that puts them in a cave. U.S. is U.S. today because one man refused to give up and his name was Abraham Lincoln. If you look at his history, he almost failed in everything. And the couple of times he succeeded, he became president because he refused to give up. Almost every election he lost. Yeah? Yes. Samir has a statistics. He's a, he's a database on these things. Okay. 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 And he refused to quit. But there are a lot of people quit. You, you or I failing in something does not make us a failure. Okay. But this fear grips people. Fear grips people. What happens? It drives millions every year into caves. If you turn with me to Genesis chapter 19, there is a man called Lot. Miraculously, God pulls him out. He literally sends two angels for a family and brings four people out, out of an entire city. He brings them out. Okay, Because this is the nature of God. If a city will not accept his word, then he will allow the city to its own destiny. But he will bring his people out of that city. He will not allow his people to perish with them. He brings his people out. In this case, four people are brought out. But you know, this is a compromised man. It's a compromised man. In his mind, he's compromised. So it came to pass when they had brought them outside, he said, who is that? The angel. Escape for your life. Do not look back. Look behind you. No, stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. And Lord said to them, please know my lords. Yes. And then 2021. See now, this city is near enough to flee to. It's a little one. Please let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. He said, see, I have favored you concerning this thing also. In that I will not overthrow the city for which you have spoken. So he said, please, 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 please. It's too much for me. Too much. This is what compromise does. What compromise does is that we do not know. Compromise is like a leak in a bucket. Slowly drains our strength. And the day you need water, it is empty. It's not there. We do not realize the result of compromise. When the day of evil comes, we are not able to stand. It's not able to stand. We are not able to make a decision. We are not able to stand there. And this is what has happened. He's given, he's given, his God is giving him another chance. This is his third chance. 
First chance was with Abraham. Second chance was when he was brought and freed by Abraham. He's getting his third chance. Come, come out and go to the mountains. He says, no, I'll stay in the plains. He said, okay, for your sake, I will spare that city. The city has no clue why they are spared. All the cities in the plains are burning. One small city is standing in the middle of it. And think, you know what? God thinks we are good. God says, no, there's a man over there. For his sake, I spared your life. That's why we need to be very, very careful. We'll think, you know what? I'm cool. Everybody has got COVID. I am fine. I came to God says, keep, keep your mouth shut. It's because somebody is praying for you. I kept you safe. You got nothing to do with you. It's got nothing to do with you. You know, I got immunity. God says, you got nothing. You got nothing. Okay, for somebody's sake, okay, I'm keeping you alive. So, come off our high horses. Okay. But after the cities are destroyed, all he can see is fire and brimstone and smoke and his wife a pillar of salt. He's petrified. He's petrified. He's petrified. You know what he does? In verse 30, then Lot went up out of Zor and dwelt in the mountain. His two daughters were with him, for he was afraid to dwell in Zor. And he and his two daughters dwelt in a cave. The first time cave is mentioned in the Bible. You know, God had spared the city. Now that miracle is not moving him. Fear is propelling him. You have the very hand of God upon your life. You are seeing everything around destroyed. And you are saved and the town is saved. But it, faith is no longer moving you. You are propelled by fear. Fear is controlling your movements. And where have you reached with your two daughters? You have reached into a cave. You have reached into a cave. The problem with the cave is that it's a dark place. And the dark place can cause you to do stuff which you would have never done before. That cave can cause you to birth things which you would have never birthed before. You know why Ammon and Moab were born? Because Lot went into a cave. If he had stayed in Zoar, there would have been no Ammon. There would have been no Moab. These nations will become obstacles to God's purpose in Israel's life. You know why? Because one man, in fear, retreated into a cave. That's why the cave is a symbolic place. We create things in the cave. In the dark, we create stuff which we should not have created. Because fear or rejection or hurt, bitterness, whatever it is, causes us to retreat into a cave. So God asks Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah, what are you doing in the cave? Because there is danger in the cave. Incredible, terrible danger in the cave. Let's go to Judges 10 now. Now, five kings, Joshua, you cannot withstand Joshua. Yeah, it's not Judges, sorry, Joshua 10. Okay, that's all Joshua, that's all Joshua, okay? Joshua, you cannot withstand Christ. You should never try to fight the Holy Spirit. Bend with Him. Flow with Him. Move with Him. These nations, five kings, are fleeing from Joshua. They had fled and hidden themselves in a cave at Makeda. Okay? They're, hi- they're hiding in the cave. Okay? They thought they would be safe in the cave. Lot thought he would be safe in the cave. 
These five kings thought they would be safe in the cave. So we should be very careful when you go into the cave. Because you do not know what other influences are there in that cave. Five Gentile kings, meaning five spirits, have taken shelter in that cave. These are not kosher spirits. These are demonic spirits. This demonic influence in these dark places we retreat to. We retreat to. And they have hidden themselves over there. You know, people when they go into this cave, the demonic influences come upon them. Depression, discouragement, suicide, all kinds of diseases they invite upon themselves. One of the fundamental lessons God has taught us. Now God teaches us things. No, we have to get the lessons. God teaches us things. Long back, there was a pandemic, still uncontrollable. Its name was HIV. And the lesson of HIV was, you know what? Stick to your one. But people refuse that. And they still haven't found a cure for HIV and AIDS. Okay. Second pandemic we are actually facing in our lifetime is COVID. It's COVID. And we hear these deadly stories. But if you ask with medical professionals, you will see this deadly, which is affecting most people, it's because the immunity levels are very low. And the immunity levels are level because of a terrible lifestyle. They eat wrong. They eat wrong. They don't rest. They don't exercise. Three things. Eat wrong. They don't rest. They don't. And all those who lifestyles knowingly or unknowingly are, are coming through it. I'm not saying that the, the, the virus goes over them. No. But they come through the virus. Okay. So what is God telling us the second time in our generation? Eat right. Don't let your taste buds control your life. Don't let it. Don't let it. Okay. You are a candidate for destruction. And you shouldn't, you shouldn't die before your time. You're a child of God. You've got a call upon your life. You have a purpose of God upon your life. Trust God. Pray to God. Cry out to God. Lord, give me a life. No? Give me a life. Will you give me what sustains my body. Gives rest to my body and to my soul. No? And Lord, that's what, no? The children of Israel. You know what the children of Israel, Israel survived in the desert and survived very well? It's because of their diet. They slept well, they ate healthy, and they rested. Though they were rebellious. <laughs> rebellious. But the ones who died of overeating, when it comes to the nostrils, it means it, they were not eating because they were hungry. They were lusting. There's a difference. They were eating for pleasure. And this is something which we need to be careful. Don't eat for pleasure. No? Eat because you need to eat and find pleasure in it. Don't eat for pleasure. There's a difference. You should find pleasure in whatever you eat, but don't eat for pleasure because the word of God says the, the woman who lives for pleasure is dead even while she is living. You're inviting death into your lives. God is teaching us. God is teaching us a lesson. Don't forget the lessons behind everything that happens. There are lessons. And if you come through a crisis and haven't learned the lesson of that crisis, the crisis didn't teach us anything. It's like the people in Jesus. 
They received the miracles. They missed, missed the message completely. And you know what they did? They literally killed the goose that laid the golden eggs. They received all his miracles and then finally they crucified him. You know why? Because they missed the message. They missed the message. So we have to be careful. <coughs> Don't retreat into your cave. <coughs> Don't find safety in your cave. They hid themselves in a cave. Verse 17 and 18. Now it was told Joshua, saying, <coughs> the five kings have been found hidden in the cave at Makeda. So Joshua said, roll large stones against the mouth of the cave and set men by it to guard them. Now your place of safety has become your jail. It has become prison. It has become your prison. Okay. You thought you were safe in that dark place where you retreated. I won't hurt anybody. Nobody will hurt me. But that has become your prison. Are you good for anything? No. Can God use you? No. Can God's light come through you? No. Can God's life flow through you? No. Your place of safety has actually become a prison house for you. And there are no songs there. There are no works there. There are works. There are dead works. Your place of safety has become a prison house. You know what happens? People are held captive. Prisoners in their minds. Because fear is a terrible taskmaster. Terrible. Fear can cause you to retreat and hide into places. Hide your talents. Remember that man with one talent? He went into a cave. He went into a cave. God says, where is your increase? No, I know you're a hard master, meaning I'm afraid of you. Afraid of you. Cripples people. That's why God keeps on telling us, fear not. Fear not, fear not. Fear not what? The enemy. Fear not what? Hurt of rejection, of failure. Fear not. Because it will cost you to hide in the cave. Now you know what happens? Now the cave controls you. You are a captive because a stone has been rolled and guards have been set. Guards have been set. What happens? The light goes out. You are living in darkness now. You know, when people live in spiritual darkness, it doesn't mean activity has changed. Activity continues. But they see nothing. There's no life there. Oh, cockroaches thrive in darkness. Verse 22. Then Joshua said, open the mouth of the cave and bring out those five kings to me from the cave. Bring them out. Verse 26, 27. Afterward, Joshua struck them and killed them and hanged them on five trees. And they were hanging on the trees until evening. So it was at the time of going down of the sun, Joshua commanded. And they took them down from the trees, cast them into the cave where they had been hidden, and laid large stones against the cave's mouth, which remain until this very day. So the title of today's message is, Don't let your cave become your grave. You will die in that cave. You are not supposed to die there. It will become your grave. You think you have safety there. But first it becomes your prison. First it becomes your prison. There when the word of the Lord comes, you don't answer. You don't obey. It will become your grave. You will die there. Useless purposeless, bringing forth nothing. 
five kings. The cave they thought they were safe. It first became their prison. At the end it became their grave. <clears throat> so if people, God gives us the truth, people don't like it. Okay, people don't like it. You, you spoke the truth. People didn't like it. People rejected you. But don't hide in the cave, Elijah. Don't hide in the... I didn't reject you. People rejected you. That's what the Bible says. The snare of man, the fear of man is a snare. It's a trap. You retreat. People retreat. They retreat behind their walls. They don't communicate anymore. And they create this cave around them, nice high walls, and they stay safely over there saying, I will not let myself be hurt again. But you can never serve God unless you are open to being hurt again. There's only one person who will never hurt you. That's God. There's only one person who will never reject you. That's God. Others may. That's why the fear of God, fear of man is a snare. It ensnares countless number of people. As Job says, as sparks go up, so is a man born to hurt. <laughs> trouble is hurt. If trouble doesn't hurt you, it is not trouble. The problem is the hurt trouble brings. You know what? <clears throat> People live in this fear, fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of getting hurt again. And they build high walls. You know what you are doing? If you are not careful, you will make your cave your grave. <clears throat> so the word of the Lord comes to all of us on today. Yeah, good day, 15th of May. Four and a half months are over. On the 15th of May, middle of this fifth month, God comes and asks, what are you doing here? If you or I, anybody who's listening, has retreated into a cave, what are you doing here? Exodus chapter 3, verses 11 to 14. <clears throat> Sorry, two, two eleven to fourteen. If I'm right. Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out to his brethren, looked at their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating an Hebrew, one of his brothers. So he looked this way, he looked that way. When he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian, hid him in the sand. When he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. Okay. So please remember this. Just because you are a Hebrew, that doesn't mean you are a kosher. One day he is fighting an Egyptian, next day he is fighting a Hebrew. Okay. And he said to one who did the wrong, why are you soaking your companion? Then he said, who made you prince and judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. What happened? He runs. He runs. When Pharaoh heard of this, he sought to kill Moses. And Moses fled down from the face of Pharaoh. And he dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Finished. He's hurt. He's rejected by his fellow countrymen. Okay. He's afraid. The Pharaoh has rejected him. Your Egyptian Roommate has rejected him. A Hebrew brother has rejected him. He's hurt. He's afraid. He went. And he hid in his cave. 
How many years? 40 years. It's a cave. The wilderness is a big cave for him. He's hiding there. And the five kings are there in that wilderness. If God does not intervene, and if you and I don't obey, we will die in that place. So God will ask also, in different words, what are you doing here, Moses? Like I said, cave is not a location, it's an attitude. Because so many people, we were all, all of us were, we may be still locked up in their minds. Imagine, 40 years locked in a cave. Now go to Acts chapter 7 and read the narrative there. It's interesting. The spiritual picture of Exodus 2 is given in Acts because the Spirit speaks to us in the New Covenant. There is a veil over the law. So when you read Exodus, you will not understand what is happening. But when you read the same account in the book of Acts, the veil is lifted. Now when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptians. So you need to realize, you know what he is doing? He's got this call. It's not very clear how he should do things. But he realizes, I've been called to, to rescue the oppressed. To rescue the oppressed. And my brethren are being oppressed. I am called to be a deliverer. But he doesn't understand the way he's supposed to do it. And now you know what? He goes and he kills the man. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand. But they did not understand. So this is the problem. You see, we do something which is with the right intention, with the right motives. But we are misunderstood. They don't understand our motive. We don't understand, they don't understand our motive. They misunderstand us. This is why we have to do things looking unto Christ Jesus and not looking unto man. Because if you look unto man, they may misunderstand you. They mis- misunderstand you. They will think, he must have got something. Okay, you are coming to rule over us now. Okay. Now you want to appoint Pharaoh over us. They misunderstand you. They see our actions, but they can't read our motives. And when they do, they de- read it wrong. Come to verse 26, one by one, 26, 27, 20. The next day he appeared to two of them as they were fighting and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brethren. Why do you wrong one another? Verse 27. He, But he who did his neighbor wrong, what does it say? pushed him away. It's not that in Exodus. That one push took 40 years to recover from. Thrust him away. Pushed him. One push. 40 years. Rejection. Who? You don't come in between. 40 years in a cave. You know what? Marriages Homes, churches, offices, all become caves because of a push. Because my husband said this. My husband did this. My wife said this. My wife didn't do this. Husbands don't say, but wife did this. Husbands always say, the wife didn't do this. Okay? Wives don't say, husband didn't do this. Husband did this. 
or he forgot my birthday, he forgot my anniversary, anything, one push, and they go into a cave. And they all become cave dwellers. Born again, evolutionists. Dwellers of caves. Does not say Adam and Eve dwelt in a cave. But evolution says the original primordial whatever man lived in a cave and we become cave dwellers. It happens in marriage, it happens in homes. Children live in a cave. My father, my mother, parents live in caves. My children, employees live in the caves. My officer rejected me. I did the best. He rejected me. Churches, congregation push each other. Pastor pushes congregation. Congregation pushes pastors. That's why I said the largest number of people who quit in a profession are pastors. That's it. I can't handle it anymore. I can't handle it anymore. And you know what? They all retreat into caves. They get a new job. But they said, I'm doing well, but it's a cave. It is not the push of the enemy that sent you into that cave. It's the push of your brother. The push of a husband. The push of a wife. The push of a parent. Push of a friend. Enemies don't have power to hurt you. Strangers don't have the power to hurt you. Only those who love you have the power to hurt you. I have used a simple illustration. Right? You're on the road. Somebody crosses you and you fall off and he takes off and goes. You will be angry. But you don't know who that dude is. You don't know who that dude is. And after some, you have got over it. Your wounds also have healed. You got over it because that person doesn't have a face. He doesn't have a name. And you don't have a relationship. But somebody you know and love, in your own home maybe, does something much, much smaller. There are no wounds, nothing. It's just a word. Hmm? Just a word. Hmm? That's why Job is so very careful. You're talking like a foolish woman. He didn't call her a fool. If he had called her a fool, he would have got it right from this. A woman who told curse God and die. You are the fool. Not me. (laughs) She was very careful. You're talking like a foolish woman. You didn't call her a fool. Okay. That's why you have to be very, very careful in how, especially with our fairer uh, gender, what does God call weaker vessels? You have to be, because they can just skirt the entire issue and pick on a word. And after that, the argument is gone. It's over. There's no discussion anymore. <laughs> Honestly, okay, people always talk and I, people say you st- stand up for the women because you have to stand up for the weak. That's, that's the nature of God. You have to stand up for the weak. But one of these days we are going to get a question about the women. Then I will tell you what's the issue with this weaker generation or weaker uh, side, the better half we can call them is that. They will pick on a word. They hurt over it. They will nurse it. It's like the two men who are fighting. He says, every time I try to have a conversation with my wife, she gets hysterical. So I can never sit down and talk an issue. He says, that is good. He said, when I try to have a fight with my wife, argument with my wife, she gets hysterical. She brings the entire history of my life and my father's life, my mother's life, family life, Khandal life, everything out. So one is historical, the other is historical. But we do not know these are all cave dwellers. 
That's why God says, live with them with understanding. They're still in the cave. Honey, still in the cave. <laughs> Because men have to know when also. But the problem is, when the man and the woman both are living in the cave, <laughs> that is the problem. You have seen pictures of the cavemen and all. They all have clubs and all with the clubs and stones and with all with them, no? So that's what happens. Okay, so God says, you know what? It is not the push of the enemy that hurts you. It's the push of the brother, the one whom you love. And you know what happens? You become a cave dweller. And what is the danger? The danger of it, Acts chapter 7 and verse 20. Uh, 29. Yeah. Do you want to kill me? Now they accuse you. Your motives are misconstrued. You're completely mis, mis, uh, understood. You're going there as a deliverer, but you're called a murderer. Okay. Your motives are completely misread. You want to bring reconciliation. You want to bring deliverance. But the one whom you love is calling you a murderer. You're come to call, kill me. And the danger, the danger is this. Verse 29, then at this saying, Moses fled and became a dweller in the land of Midian, where he had two sons. And if you go to Exodus chapter 2 and verse 21, right? 2.21 is what I gave you? Yeah. Moses was content. It's a dangerous word. He was content to live in his cave. This is the problem. When believers run and retreat into the cave, after some time, you are become content. To, be, to dwell in that cave. You become a dweller of the cave and you are content with this new life. You become content. You are content. And what do you do? You get a cave wife and you get the products of the cave. And you will see in history if you study his life clearly, he will come out of his cave, neither his wife nor his children. You know, when people run away, you know, run away, you know, that's one of the things which I tell, I've learned through experience. Experience is a, a very good teacher. Now when I tell people, you know, especially connected with marriage, <laughs> what I talk to, can I talk to about marriage? I, say, I don't want to talk to about marriage, right? Because you're not ready. If you get married now, you'll marry a cave dweller. And your products will be all products of the cave. Before you can get married, come out into the light. Come out into the light. Because if you get married in the dark, the one you marry also will be the one who is living in the dark. And your byproducts will be also will be products of the dark. Products of the dark. There are a lot of things we should not do. Now, if you are already married, now don't go back home and say you are a dweller of the light. I am getting out into the light. No, no, no. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't give you any of these excuses. None of these are excuses. Okay? That's not an excuse. If you are married, stay there. What you need to bring light into your cave. Lighten up your cave. Get out of that cave. Bring the light of God. Because the gospel is the power of God. The gospel itself is light. The word of God is light. The entrance of your word brings light. Bring the light in. Bring the light in. And if the others will refuse to walk in the light, 
You choose to walk in the light. Maybe one day when they see your light, the life of Christ in you, they will be delivered. Because the Bible says in him was life. That life was the light of men. That's what Peter is realizing. After all the goof of this man, the Spirit of God is speaking through him and he's telling sisters, women, sisters, Submit your husband in all things as unto the Lord. If one of them does not believe, he's a cave dweller. He's living in darkness. But when he sees your life, when he sees your meek and gentle spirit, who knows? He may get saved. He may come into that light. But you who are in the light decide to become a cave dweller. You are in the dark. He is in the dark. And you find safety there. Safety. You're content there. Because now there is no conflict. He says, come with me to the bar. You go with him. Come with for the movies. You go with him. Don't send the children to church. You go with him. There's no peace. It's a false peace. One day your cave will become your grave. Come a grave. You know what? He got settled down in Midian. That's what he says. He became a dweller of Midian. And he's content. God says, don't, 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 don't. Verse 30. When 40 years had passed, suddenly God came. Little light, literally little light in his cave. The bush burst into flames. Because for this man, that normal light is used to it. He needs extraordinary light. He used to the light of the game. Sunrises in the morning, sunrises in the evening, life is quiet, no problem. Just let Zephora do whatever she wants. I have no issues. Early in the morning, I take my breakfast, pack my lunch, go with it. <coughs> Sit there on a stone. When my grandfather retired, uh, he was in the government service. He retired from the service and then I stayed with him many years. No? So he had, he started his farm, he had his cows and goats and everything. Morning he will go, he will sit in that estate where all that and the cows will be let free. He could just sit like Buddha for hours. I had to watch him. Sit quietly over there like Buddha. And he has his time because you now 12 o'clock. Bring his hot water, the water you drain from the rice. No, he doesn't drink anything else other than normal. So on. And he will drink that and go back to Buddha post. And that is Moses. 40 years sitting in the desert doing nothing. Content? Do you know who you are, Moses? Do you know what you are called to do, Moses? Content. Dweller of the cave. Content in media. And God comes and lights up the bush. What does he say? Verse 34. I didn't give you to verse 34, right? I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their groanings and I've come down to deliver them. Now come, I will send you to Egypt. Me? Yeah, you. You, cave dweller, you. I'm sending. The one who was rejected? Yes, you. I didn't reject you. I didn't reject you. I'm sending you. The failure? Yes, you. The fellow whose wife doesn't listen to? Yes, you. The fellow whose children don't listen to? Yes, you. 
You are the one. The problem is once we have lived in the cave for a long time, <clears throat> we have our posters on the caves. No, you cannot just live in a cave without posters. We need posters, right? Wall, you know, now we don't have, they have virtual wall posts also, right? We post, you know, these are called our excuses. Who am I? That I should go. That's the first poster. Who am I? I am not worthy. If you don't, if you cannot answer, God answers to that. The next is, who are you? Well, who are you? A lot of people are angry with God. That's my prayer. As this crisis keeps spreading and spreading, God's people should not come out of it bitter. My loved one died. My child died. My father died. My mother died. Angry with God. I lost my eyes. I lost my kidneys. Now I have to be on dialysis for the rest of my life. Don't get angry. Don't get bitter. Who are you? Who are you? These are the posters we put on the cave. So many excuses. Who am I? Who are you? Why are you sending me? I am not eloquent. I can't, I can't, I can't. Final one, send somebody else. I'm not going. That's when God got mad. You know what God is coming and telling us? Like we told Moses, I don't have anybody else. This is a job only you can do. And he tells the same thing to every one of us. There is a job only you can do. Even I can't do your job, which God has put for you. Nobody can do it. It's only you can do it. The people you are called to deliver, you should deliver. Everyone who has the spirit of Christ is a deliverer, greater than Moses. Moses had the spirit on him. Moses did not have the spirit in him. Everybody who saved here has the spirit of Christ in them and the spirit of Christ on them. Called to be a deliverer. And Moses says, I can't send somebody else. But do you know what is behind all of that? It is hurt. The fear of being rejected again. The fear of being hurt again. And verse 35. 735. This Moses whom they rejected. That's the issue. Core issue that this Moses rejected. That's what? New covenant only the veil is taken off. Old covenant you read, you understand the letter. New covenant the veil is taken, we understand actually what is God trying to tell through the life of Moses. He says he's a type. He's a real person. He's a type. All of us. There is nothing new under the sun. Everything is the same. Everybody has goes through the same kind of problems mankind has been going through. No, mine is unique. No. <laughs> the same. Kritika is laughing. Yes, Kritika, it is the same. Whatever you will go through, somebody else, many have gone through it, okay? So don't think your problems. The only thing that is unique is you. The problems are the same. We all are different. We are not the same. God did not make two identity. Even identical twins are different. Whom you rejected. You see, the whole world is a cave. I don't know whether I gave it to you. Acts chapter 28, 17 and 18. Yeah, okay. And First Peter 2, 9, quickly. It came to pass after three... D- oh, no, no. Okay, leave that. Go to First Peter. The same, same idea. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He leave all that. His own special people. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the cave. 
into his marvelous light. What are we? We are not cave dwellers. He pulled us, he called us out of the cave like Moses. Come out. Come out. Come out. People who were brought out of of darkness into the light cannot retreat back into the darkness. That's why he's asking Elijah, what are you doing here? Why are you sitting in the cave? You should be out in the open. Should be, I sent you out to deliver people. You're hiding over here. You're so upset. Ahab and Jezebel rejected you. They accepted the prophets of Baal and fed them at your table. You thought at least an invitation. Nothing. And you're so upset and you're afraid. And you're hiding. You're called out of darkness into light. For what? To declare the praises of Him. And what happens? Because of that, we deliver others out of darkness. We lead others. The Christ in us leads others through us out of darkness into light. Stop making excuses. Or your cave will become first your prison. Or one day it will become your grave. So here is a self-proclaimed cave cave dweller. The God of mercy and the God of grace comes and calls him. Come out and go. Don't sit here in your cave. Come out out of your sense of failure. Come out of your grief. That's what the Bible says. Godly grief leads to repentance and salvation. Worldly grief leads to sorrow and death. It becomes your grave. A lot of people grieve. You know what? This man called Israel lived in that cave for 22 years. 22 years he lived after he became Israel. Let us forget about all before he encountered God. He encountered God. God made him into Israel. New call, new destiny, everything. And one day his brothers, his sons come and says, Is this your son's coat? He looked at it and said, Oh, Joseph is dead. Now there is no point to live. I will now die. And he got into his bed and 22 years passed away. Sitting in darkness. Sitting in cave. When does, he, when does he come out of the cave? When third trip, the news comes back. Joseph is alive. He rises up and he is ready. 22 years gone. But Joseph was always alive. He was never dead. He's never dead. Christ is alive. He's not dead. Alive forevermore. But people live as if Christ is dead. And they sit in their caves. And they refuse to do anything. Though your name is Christian, meaning in Christ. In Christ. Though you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Though you can do all things in Christ Jesus. But you have withdrawn into your shell, into your cave. So come out of the sorrow. Come out of bitterness. Bitterness. That's what happened to Naomi. She made a cave and she's bitter and she's living over there. Even when the Lord has visited Bethlehem and there is plenty there now. When she comes back, people are actually happy to say, hi Naomi, you're back. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. That's a poster in her cave. Mara, sorry, Naomi. One big slash below Mara. God changes our names and give us good names. 
This lady takes the good name and makes it into terrible names. God calls Jacob Israel, Abraham Abraham, Sarah is Sarah. And God gives us a name. Pleasant? No, bitter. What's your name? Naomi. Oh, you're so pleasant. No. I'm bitter. That's your cave. You know what? God is not able to redeem her. Though the man, what's his name? I keep forgetting. Boaz is her kinsman redeemer. It's not Ruth's kinsman redeemer. It is her kinsman. Ruth is a Gentile. You see, the Hebrew is bypassed. The Gentile is saved. The Hebrew is bypassed. That is Naomi. Because she is living in a cave. Refused to come out of her cave. He redeems her. Moabite. And the Moabite, through the Moabite comes the deliverer. The deliverer. Why? Because your cave became your grave. Please understand that. Come out is what the Lord is saying. Come out. Verse 36. He brought them out. Why? Because he came out first. If you don't come out of your cave, you cannot bring the others out. Though you have a call, though you have a destiny, though you have a purpose, if you have to deliver others out of darkness into light, you have to come out of darkness into light first. And the God of light comes and knocks and says, come out. What are you doing here? Come out. He brought them out. (coughs) See, man can nail you onto a cross. But only you can make it into a cave. Jesus refused to make his cross into a cave. He refused. Therefore, the first words are the most important words. You know what? It's a man hanging in the light. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. They have misunderstood me. That's why they rejected me. They have misunderstood. They don't understand. They misunderstood me. Therefore, they rejected me. Father, forgive them. They don't understand. Forgive them, Dad. Don't get mad with them. There was no cave in Jesus' life. Man can throw you into a prison. Bind you with chains. Only you have the power to make it into a cave. But if you let the light shine, in that prison, others will be set free. That's what happened to Paul and Silas. They could only throw them into the prison. But they could not make it into a cave. They refused. The problem is this. The more you dwell in the cave, the more determined you are in staying there. Because darkness starts pervading your soul. And you become content in the land of Midian. Though you are supposed to go to Canaan, lead three million people, two million people into Canaan or more. We don't, nobody knows the exact number. We only know 600 men, 600,000 men, wives, children. You start getting content. Turn with me to John chapter 3, verse 19 and 20 and listen carefully. This is the condemnation that light has come into the world. And men loved darkness rather than light because the deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light 
lest his deeds should be exposed. We get comfortable in the dark. And we have this conception. Because this, is, this problem is we are reading scripture like math. What is the opposite of evil? Good. No. Not for the child of God. For the child of God, the opposite of evil is not good. All religion is evil men and women doing good works. Entire spectrum of religion is evil men and women doing good. Good works. So the opposite of evil is not good. When you sit in the dark, doesn't mean you don't do things which look good. Median got, um, in Median, Moses got marriage. Is marriage bad? He had two children. Having children bad? No, they're all good. Lot's daughters thought in the cave that our plan to continue our father's line is good. But the opposite of evil for God's people is not good. It is not good. It's something higher and bigger than that. Go to verse 21. Then we'll see the secret there. He who does the truth, not he who does good. You can do good and live in the dark all the days of your life. But you cannot do the true thing, what is truth, and stay in the dark. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So the question is not that it sounds good. No, is it true? What did God say? See, you can be evil and do a lot of good. The entire Freemasonry is built in the outside world on good works. Well, all the deeds in the dark are absolutely wicked, evil works. And they do so much good works. It's built on good works. That's why during a season of fasting, that is Eid, you can put your own people's life in danger and use your own people as cover to shoot rockets into our nation. This should be at least for 30 days let us have peace. It's a time of fasting. But we are doing good now. Is it true? Because you can be evil and do good. But you cannot be true and do evil. Cannot. Jesus is true. So he can never do evil. Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they are doing. On the other hand, he can be and say, Lord, Lord, do you know what they are doing? I did all this thing for three and a half years. And Lord, all I did was good. Now, Lord, I say, finish them off. Isn't it good? What's wrong with that? But you are not true. You are not true. That's how we justify. Because the more you stay in the cave, in the cave, you know what? We start putting up a wall post. This is the reason I'm doing this. This is the reason I'm doing. We start justifying our actions. But you know what? You are not still true. God is not calling us to be good. God is calling us to be true. You cannot be true and do evil because you are born of truth. God is telling Elijah, caveman, come out into the light. 
in Job chapter 3 and verse 1. After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. He went into a cave. 1 and 2, chapter 1 and 2, he was in the light. Chapter 3, verse 1, he went into a, a cave. And it became his prison. And he had five jailers. Five companions, five kings. The first was he himself. He cursed himself. The first was his wife. She cursed. He cursed God and died. That was the first jailer. Second, he became the jailer. And he had three friends. So altogether, five jailers were there in the cave. If God had not turned up in chapter 40 and verse 1, his cave would have been his grave. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, that's when light broke in. God spoke. God spoke. Light came in. Now the thing is that God spoke. The question is, will you obey what God says? It's not enough that God speaks. Will you go? Moses could have refused finally. Say, I am not going. And he would have died in Midian. Nobody would have known Moses. Moses would not have been written in history. God would have found somebody else, maybe later to deliver Israel. Their deliverance would have been delayed until God somebody ready. Saul has to sit in the, on the throne and create havoc in Israel until David grows up. Okay, So they may have to live for one more generation in slavery because the man who was called refused. So God has to get another man ready. In verse 1, God turns up. And you know what? He still has to obey. In chapter 42, verse 10. Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. He says, you need to do one thing. You need to pray for those who hurt you. You need to pray for those who rejected you. You need to pray for those who accused you. I know you are innocent. You know you are innocent. But you are holding a lot of hurt and bitterness in your heart. Forgive them. Pray for them. Bless them. I want to restore you. I want to restore you. So many people have hurt you. Let go. Bless them. Pray for them. That's Matthew 5, 44, one of the most important lines in the Sermon on the Mount. Let go and let God be God. I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Let go, otherwise what happens? Your cave will become your grave. Let go. Let go. Don't let your cave become your grave. I want to restore your losses. I want to give back double for your trouble. I want to give you back what the locusts have eaten. I want to add your years that your later in shall be greater than the beginning. I want to do all this. But you need to do something. Will you come out of your gate, out of your cave, and just pray for them, and bless them, and go back to them, and bring them out of darkness? Elijah, what are you doing here? Moses, what are you doing here? You think this is your profession? This is what I called you for? This is what I invested in you for? This is what I gave you to go after a goat for 40 years? You've forgotten what you are and what you are called to be. It's true for everybody. So God is asking the question, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Moses? What are you doing here, Job? What do they answer? They don't want me, therefore I don't want them. I am safe. I like my posters. I have posters in my wall. Okay. Who am I? 
nobody. Who are you? I don't know. I can't speak. I don't have any gifts like the others. I went but they rejected me. Nice posters. And you are content. And you become a dweller of the cave. God says, get out and do my will. John chapter 4. We are not looking, going there. John chapter 4. This is a Samaritan woman. She's a cave dweller. Rejected by five men. Rejected by the entire women folk of the town. And then light came and sat down by the well, waited for her. He didn't indict her. He drew her to grace through truth. And she came out of darkness into light. She came out of her cave. You know what she did? She went straight back to the people who had rejected her and brought them out of darkness into light. And you know what they said? This very woman has brought us to the light. She refused. When the light came, she responded to it. She refused to stay in her cave. There's a city called Nineveh. There are 120 souls whose souls, whose lives hang on a thread. And a man who's been called to go to them is hiding in a cave. Literally. Bottom of the boat. And he goes deeper and deeper and deeper into darkness. He's angry. He's bitter. He's resent. He goes farther and farther and farther. And his prison, if he's not careful, will become a grave. There are so many like that. Bitter servants of God. Why? I wanted that posting, but the bishop gave it me to that one. I didn't want to go to Manjirial and all. I was hoping for pastorate in Hyderabad. With a parish, parsonage behind. Where my children could go to grammar school. Instead, you know where they sent me? That's Jonah. He doesn't like his congregation. He doesn't like his posting. You have to put it in modern terms. You don't like your job. You don't like your office. But you think, who sent you there? Who sent you there? God sent you there. Every place Paul went, he got beaten up by his congregation. But he kept on going. Because he knew who had sent him. Who had sent him. 120,000 lives hanging on a thread. And the one who is called to speak refuses to go. I will hide in my cave and I will keep my mouth shut. Finally, God has his way. Has his way. One sermon. Just one small sermon. The two similar people in the Bible is one is Jonah, the other is John the Baptist. Repent the kingdom of God. See, everybody is repenting. Forty days and Nineveh will be no more. The whole city repents. Just see how easy your task was. You're sitting and hiding in the cave. Then one line under my anointing, the whole town would repent. And you don't want to go? You want to go? You know what resentment does? Bitterness does? Hurt does? Anger does? We retreat into our shell. We retreat into a cave. And you know what? The spirit of God is shut in the lives of millions of his children all around the world because they refuse to come out of their caves and the people are perishing. 
And now the world is going through a crisis. The ones who have the anointing doesn't know what to do. Because they have no faith. They lived in the dark. They lived in the cave. And they became cave dwellers. Pastors give up. They all quit. They are not doing nothing. You know why? Because you chose to live in the cave. And you settled down in Midian. You were not called to settle down in Midian. John chapter 11 and verse 38. Lazarus is dead. He's been buried. Jesus again groaning in himself came to the tomb. And it was a cave. And a stone lay against it. Buried in a cave. And verse 39. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench. God also comes to our cave and says, roll away the stone. We know the truth. It stinks. It stinks. That's why I put nice perfume. It stinks. If really, really people knew our thoughts, it would stink. We put on a face. I am happy. I am so content in my marriage. Are you? I am so happy in my office. Are you? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Three bags full, sir. Really? God says, if resurrection life has to come in, roll back the stone. What is a stone that needs to be rolled back from your cave? Of rejection? Fear of rejection? Hurt, bitterness, anger, jealousy, envy. You can name the kings. Kings are what rule over you. What rules over you? Christ? Or something else? What controls you? Because what is standing outside is Jesus. All it takes is one word. Lazarus! Come out. That's all. And life flows it doesn't matter how long he's been dead. It doesn't matter how long he's been shut in. When he speaks, life comes out of it. But he cannot speak into our lives until we are willing to roll the stone out. Joshua and Yeshua. See? When it comes to powers of darkness, Jesus says, roll out the stone, I will destroy them. But when it comes to you and me, he says, roll out the stone. I will give you life. Death to one place and life to another place. It's the same person who commands, roll out the stone. Roll out the stone. Somebody asks Uncle Abe, Abraham Lincoln, you're supposed to destroy your enemies. How come you make friends with them? He said, that's exactly what I do. Every time I make a friend out of my enemy, I destroy them. I destroy them. Do you know why we are sitting here? All of us. Because though they crucified him, laid him in a cave, and rolled the stone, and assign guards to guard the stone. He refused to stay in the cave. 
and he came out and he came out they could only shut his body they could never cave his soul they could never cave his spirit and the word of god says other people came out of their caves and went throughout jerusalem giving testimonies and people were shocked how did so many people come out of their caves because you refused to stay in the cave you can't cave me you can crucify me you can wrap me in clothes put all your ointment and put me into the tomb but you cannot cave my soul i am not a cave dweller i am light i do not dwell in darkness i do not stay in darkness yet we rejected him we insulted him we shamed him we crucified him but he refused to reject us refused to allow hurt and rejection and insult to control his behavior he was not a cave dweller he told go and tell peter go and tell peter who is the one who denied me three times i'm not hurt i'm not allow rejection to control my behavior with you go tell peter i'm coming right Where was he buried? In Jerusalem. Where did he rise up? In Jerusalem. But the two disciples are going in the opposite direction. One to Emmaus. What is Emmaus? Nothing. And good for nothing town. What is there in Emmaus? Nothing. They're leaving Jerusalem and going to Emmaus. Is he upset? No. He goes with them. Talks with them. This is more than rejection. They refuse. They're leaving. Eight disciples after resurrection go fishing. What is he doing? waiting for them hi friends did you catch anything nothing okay put it on the other side then when they reach they realize it's cooked for them come bring something which you caught also let's eat he refused to be a cave dweller refused to allow darkness to control his movements refused first kings chapter 19 Can we go to 11, 12, 13, maybe 11 first? 11, 12, 13. He said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. Let me tell you, he did not go out. That's what happens when you dwell in the dark for a long time. Even when God comes and speaks to you, you are not quick to obey. He didn't go out. He needed a whole series of fireworks before he would go. He still didn't go. Out. There was a great strong wind. He didn't go out. Rocks didn't go out. Wind didn't go out. Earthquake didn't go out. Fire everything. Did he go out? No. Verse 12. Earthquake fire? He didn't go out. What did God tell him? Go out and stand on the rock. Did he go out? No, he didn't. This is the issue. You're not talking about an ordinary man. You're talking about Elijah. He didn't go out. Then came a small voice, and it was when he heard it, he went. Out. But did he obey the first voice? He's obeying the second time. God could have used that fire and the earthquake to make his cave into a grave. He did. A smoking flax he will not put out. A bruised reed he will not break. 
That's our God. That's our God. That's our God. He is gentle. What does he whisper a second time? What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing in the cave, Elijah? What are you doing here? Verse 15. And the Lord said, verse 14 is interesting. What is that? Excuse? Here's a poster. I've been very zealous for the Lord, but everybody rejected me. I alone am left. So I'm trying to save my life for another day. So many excuses. We have all our excuses for our disobedience. Why we don't do what God has called us to do. Why will you not be a light? Because I was zealous. I did all these things. I killed all these things. But nobody accepted my work. So I have retired from ministry. Now I shall dwell in the cave. I will do good works, but okay? I will do good works. God says, I don't want your good works. They are dead works. They are dead works. I want works that are true. And what did God say in verse 15? Go. Back the way. Go. Return. Go. Go back. Go back. And do what you have to do. Go back. And lead other cave dwellers out. <laughs> now we understand cave dwellers very well, right? You understand why people go into the cave. You went there. I was my gentle with you. I didn't put some rocks over you. I didn't burn you with fire. I didn't blow you out of this. I didn't do anything. I was very gentle with you, right? Now go back and be gentle. Bring others out of the cave. That's why I said we are going through a situation. Death and disease. And the hurt and the pain that will come after this. Christians, God's children should not go into a cave. There are a lot of people who are listening. You have gone through so much abuse and hurt and rejection and pain and hurt. Don't go into your cave. Get out of your cave and bring others out. Those who came out of the circle, you went through abuse like no man's business. Let go. Forgive. Bless. God will use you to bring others out of that same cave. You can be that source. You can be that person. That's how God works. Because the one who was abused most, insulted most, was Jesus. If you look at it. Why? He never did any harm to anybody. We all have sinned. He never sinned. Never ever sinned. So sin has its consequence. The wages of sin is death. So all of us deserve a part of the punishment we have got. (laughs) All of us. Every one of us have goofed up big time. And we got some of it back. And though we try to be very righteous, the fact is much of it is our own making. But not Jesus. Yet he's so gentle to us who was the cause of what he went through. And God says, there is so much happening. You see what's happening in Jerusalem and Gaza? It is rejection. It is hurt and rejection. They still cannot accept the fact that Ishmael was rejected and Isaac was chosen. It's simple. The whole simple question to ask is, why do you want that mountain? It's all over that mountain. It's all over the mountain. The temple. It's all over that little piece of reality. This whole fight is about that. 
they will bring all other country over Palestinian liberty, freedom, rights and human. None of them is the reason. The reason is they want the temple. Why? Because they refused to accept that Isaac was the one who was taken up the mountain. It was Ishmael. I had a very senior Muslim religious leader sitting with me. Three of them had come to my house. So he was talking with them. So I was just casually were talking about I said on Mount Mariah when Abraham took Isaac. He said, no, Ishmael. But I took Ishmael. That's why they want the mountain. Do you understand? The rejection has not gone yet. The pain has not gone yet. You're fighting for a piece of land is worth nothing. Because God is building a new temple. It is not built by hands. It is not stone, mortar or bricks. It is his church. Both Ishmael and Isaac come together together in Christ. Jesus, yeah. Jesus in Christ. The middle wall of separation is gone. Ishmael, you are not rejected. Isaac, you are not accepted. Holy Christ is. Holy Christ is. You both are fighting the wrong battle. That is why the Antichrist will come and fool you. You both will be fooled. The man of peace, the false man of peace will come and fool you. You know why? Because you refuse to accept God's temple, that is Christ. God told then to Ishmael, Abraham, I'm not rejecting him. He too will be a great nation. But understand, Ishmael and Isaac are types. Isaac is a type of Christ. Ishmael cannot be. Abraham, Ishmael cannot be. I will bless him. He will be a great nation. Look at the Arab nation. I have these four words which you get of this picture. Entire whole area is green. And one small slice called Israel. And they are fighting for that slice. Ishmael is a great nation. But Ishmael cannot be Christ. Because Ishmael is born of Hagar. Even they accept it. Is Ishmael's mother Sarah? No. Is Abraham's wife Sarah? Yes. So it's a type. That is a product of flesh. This is a product of spirit. Isaac was born when Abraham and Sarah could not conceive anything. Out of weakness, God's strength was manifested. So understand, I haven't rejected Ishmael. I've accepted him. He'll be a great nation. But Ishmael cannot be Isaac. Because he cannot portray Christ. So in this huge ocean of green, one little slice is there. You know, you are not able to defeat them. Because out of weakness, God's strength. They're a covenanted people. Until God lifts the hand, you are not going to defeat them. It's impossible. Impossible. You're fighting a stupid battle. You're not going to win. You're not going to win. You're, even if America abandons them, you cannot defeat it. I mean, Israel is not standing there because of America. America is standing there because of Israel. Amen. Yes, yes, yes. And all those crackpots in America divided the leftists and the Muslims who have got in over Ilan Omar and all of them talking about You better be careful about what you say about God's people. And what do you say about Jerusalem? God has his timeline and his purpose. When he hands them over, he will hand them over for his reasons. Not because of anybody's reason. For his covenant stands. We are not saying they are kosher people or anything. But God, neither are we. We are standing here because of his covenant with us. And they are standing there because of his covenant with them. But 
rejection, hurt and pain is causing war. Because they think the only way they will be accepted is wipe Isaac out. And Sarah saw that. These two cannot inherit together. Ishmael has to go. But the spirit of Ishmael is still fighting, mocking Isaac and saying, we will wipe you out of the map. And God will not allow that to happen. It will never happen. It cannot happen. Every empire who tried to do it failed. Those empires have gone. And it's got nothing to do with Israel. It's got to do with the God of Israel. That's why even we who are Christians in Christ call him the God of Israel. Because we are called the Israel of God. They are God's Israel. Understand what hurt, pain, rejection can do. It still falls back thousands and thousands of years later. It hits us. Come out of your cave. Otherwise your cave will become your graveyard. Because you can do good works out of an evil heart. God is not looking for good works. He's looking for a true heart. That was Ahitophel. Good works, not a true heart, had bitterness inside, resentment inside, unforgiveness inside, but you would never, ever know it. Walks with David everywhere, everywhere. Goes with David, gives him counsel like from heaven. Godly counsel. Heart is not true. All his works are good. And then one day, the heart is revealed. And you realize his work was always evil. You know what? His cave became a grave. He went home, tied a noose, disciplined man, put his house in order, and hung himself. Judas walked with Jesus, was sent out by Jesus. He healed the sick, cleansed the lepers, he preached the gospel. But his heart was not true. Heart was not true. So nobody talks about Judah's works. They only talk about Judah's death. You know why? Because his cave became his grave. So don't look at your works. So as we close this morning, the simple question is, David came out of his, sorry, yeah, they would also go to a cave. It was too much to teach on a single session on the cave because David goes to the cave in Adullam. Obadiah hides 50-50 prophets in caves. These are all different, different. I mean, there's so much on that. But Moses came out of his cave. The question is, did Sephora? That's what happens. Lord of women. Especially pastor's wives. Not my wife. Pastor's wives. Man, man is suddenly called. He lives a cushy job and he comes out because you cannot refuse the call of God. It's too heavy on you. And you know what? The wife and the children resent it. Midian was nice. Midian was comfortable. What is this moving from place to place to place? There is no stability here. Midian was stable. We knew who our friends was. Two years later, we have to move to another place. I have to make new friends, new call. They don't understand the call of God upon Moses' life. And they carry that resentment. You are a husband of blood for me. Are you? You? You do not know. Your husband is not a husband of blood. He is the one who will deliver you and your sons. You know, a lot of people carry resentment. So much resentment. Simply because they are not able to understand 
the call of God upon a man's life. And Zipporah, we never see Zipporah. She never came out of her cave, probably. And his sons, children get upset. Children get upset with parents. You know what? And they side with Zipporah. Hmm? Side with Zipporah. You know what? They live in the cave. Many die in the cave. God says, let not your cave be your grave. Come out. And what he asked Elijah? He asked all of us, if you are in the cave, what are you doing here? If your light has become darkness, great is your darkness. If Elijah hides in the cave, what will happen to Israel? What will happen to Israel? If Moses lives and dies in Midian, what will happen to Israel? If David decides to dwell and live and die in the cave of Adullam, what will happen to Israel? Think about it. If Jesus chooses to die with anger on the cross, what will happen to us? If Paul and Silas are bitter and angry with God for serving him and getting thrown into prison, what will happen to the prisoners and the jailer and his family? All of them will die in their cave. So it's a very personal question today, this Saturday, the 15th of May. What are you doing here? Like I said, the title of the message, don't let your cave become your grave. Come out. Shall we pray? Father, this morning, we just want to thank you. We just want to praise you, Lord. Oh, Father, I pray. Oh, Lord, let your anointing flow over the lives of people. Let them forgive and let go. Husbands, wives, wives, husbands, parents, children, children, parents, employees, employers, employers, employees, students, teachers, teachers, students. All around the world you look, there is only hurt, pain and rejection. And everyone has built a cave and is dwelling in the cave. But the word of God is coming to his children and he's telling them, what are you doing here? Do you know who you are? Do you know you have been called to declare the praises of him who brought you out of light, out of darkness into light? Do you know you are a deliverer of the mold of Moses to bring others out of captivity? What are you doing in this cave? What are you doing here? Go back. Go back. Yes, people will still reject you. People will still hurt you. People may insult you. People may not receive your message. But keep going. Keep going. Because it's I who sent you. There will be some who will receive. Even Jeremiah's message was received by a few. Rejected by all the others. But Jeremiah stands in history. Like Abel, Jeremiah still speaks. Even though he's dead. When you come out of your cave... Your life will cast its shadow across decades and generations and ages to come. Because you chose to obey God and come out and let go. Today, come out. Come out. Come out. Come out of your cave. Don't settle down there. Don't be content Don't make excuses. 
Don't let your excuses become the reason that you make your cave your grave. My husband rejected me. My wife rejected me. My children rejected me. My pastor rejected me. My congregation rejected me. All that happened to Moses. His wife rejected him. His children rejected him. His brother and sister rejected him. His eldership rejected him. His congregation rejected him. But yet he walked with God and God did not reject him. Till this last breath, God walked with him. Fulfill your purpose. For the Spirit of God is in you and upon you. Let not whatever you go through leave its scars on you. For the balm of Gilead is still flowing. He heals wounds. He takes those scars away. He makes you new. And he sends you out. For the gospel is the gospel of peace. Is the gospel of reconciliation. God and man. And we are sent out as ambassadors to reconcile people back to God. And you, can do, you can't do that in the cave. You cannot do that in the darkness. You have to go out into the light. Go out into the light today. Forgive and let go. Do not let those kings in that cave control your destiny. There is a king standing outside. The king of kings and the lord of lords. He will crush those kings who have taken shelter in that cave. But he will send you out with his commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. And I will be with you forever. Listen to that king. Don't listen to the others. A smoking flax he will not put off. A bruised reed he will not break. He's gentle and he's lowly. Take his yoke upon you. His yoke is light and his burden is not heavy. For he will bear the weight. He will anoint us and he will walk with us all the days of our life. That's his word. That's his promise. Father, I commit your people into their hands. Heal them, strengthen them, and lead them, Lord. So they can go out. We all can go out and set others free through your spirit. As you set us free, we worship you, glorify you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Go with us through this day, Lord. Evening, Q&A. If your children have questions, give us the answers. We don't have answers, but you have. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.